Thank you for listening to High Green, the official podcast of the Boston and Maine Railroad Historical Society, where we delve into the history, memories, and legacy of the Route of the Minuteman. High Green is funded by your membership in the Boston and Maine Railroad Historical Society, and any views expressed on the show are solely those of the owner. If you'd like to learn more about what we do in the Society or join us, you can head right on over to our website, www.bmrrhs.org. Perhaps this story hasn't been told in B&M circles, but it's it's a B&M story and it's a good one. Oh my God, he says, I don't think I ever saw a train down here before. (laughs) He was amused. I still have that wanderlust. I still want to go back railroading. Hello and welcome to High Green, the official podcast of the Boston and Maine Railroad Historical Society. My name is Rick Kafori, and before we get started with today's episode, I just wanted to give you a little update on what the Society's been up to since our last episode. We attended the Amherst Railway Society Railroad Show in West Springfield, Massachusetts in the last weekend in January, and for anybody that we encountered there that may have come and listened to the podcast since then, it was great to meet you. Hope you enjoyed the show just as much as we did. It was wonderful to be able to meet new people and see old friends as well and uh, get back into the community that enjoys that event every year. We've also been extremely busy with our YouTube channel. If you haven't checked it out, definitely go do that if you get the chance. Head over to YouTube and search Boston and Maine Railroad Historical Society. Not only have we been adding to our series Minuteman Steam, which is a short documentary series about the different types of steam locomotives the Boston and Maine rostered. We've also started a companion series, Minuteman Diesels, and the very first episode covering the B&M's F7s aired earlier in February. We're also working on new episodes of Minuteman Tales. We have one in the works that's going to come out in the next few days uh, about Bedford, Massachusetts and the Lexington branch, so hopefully you'll enjoy that one as well. Of course, as always, if you'd like to learn more about the organization, You can head over to our website, www.bmrrhs.org. You can learn how to support our nonprofit organization. Sign up as a member if you'd like. You can also browse our online archives. We have an extensive collection of B&M materials available digitally online. You can browse through digital copies of our bulletin and our Modeler's Notes magazines, which are available for purchase on the website. And you can also check out our online store if you're interested as well. Part of our mission statement here at the Boston and Maine Railroad Historical Society is not only to preserve the memory and legacy of the B&M, but also the numerous railroads that the B&M connected with, did business with, and was associated with in the New England region. One of those better known operations was the Rutland Railroad, a railroad primarily operating in the state of Vermont, but also in New York State as well. The Rutland was a much celebrated, if not troubled, railroad, a Yankee railroad through and through, its main traffic primarily being dairy products including milk, much of which traveled from the Rutland system over the Boston and Maine to reach big markets like Boston. Despite its interesting history, fascinating equipment, and beautiful rural backdrop, the Rutland was a troubled railroad, often encountering financial difficulties and employee issues as well. The Rutland first entered receivership in 1938, 
which resulted in cost-cutting, wage reduction, and a number of things to improve its financial standing. By the 1950s, the troubled Rutland had ended passenger service rather early in 1953, after an employee strike for three weeks. The Rutland dieselized fairly early as well in 1953, replacing its large steam roster with mostly Alco products. In early 1961, additional worker strikes and increased financial difficulties caused the Rutland to apply to the Interstate Commerce Commission to completely abandon the entire system. The measure was approved, however the state of Vermont acted quickly to try to save the business that depended on the railroad. Under Governors Ray Keyser and eventually more largely Phil Hoff, the state of Vermont acted very quickly to establish short-line operations on the former Rutland Railroad system, working with Jay Wolfson from New Jersey to establish the Vermont Railway, and Nelson Blount to establish the Green Mountain Railroad. Despite all its troubles, the Rutland has always been popular among railroad enthusiasts for its interesting equipment, Yankee charm, among other things. Perhaps no enthusiast knew the Rutland better than Steve Mumley. Steve just passed recently in January after a short bout with cancer, but truly loved the Rutland Railroad through and through, and he had worked for the successors, the Vermont Railway and the Green Mountain Railroad as well. Steve's father, George Mumley, worked for the Rutland Railroad starting in 1937, right up through the strike, and later worked for the Central Vermont after the Rutland Railway abandoned its entire system in the early 1960s. Thanks to Jim Dufour, who loaned us this cassette tape recording, today we hear an interview between Steve Mumley and his father, George Mumley, recorded in August 1991. George talks about some of the interesting stories he encountered while working for the Rutland from the height of the steam era right through the dieselization process and into the 1960s as well. We hope you enjoy the conversation between Steve and his father George recounting the Rutland Railroad, one of the large railroads that the Boston and Maine regularly did business with in the New England region. Without further ado, Steve and George from 1991. Recording stories by George Bud Mumley, Albert, Vermont, August of uh, 1991. Okay, let's start. I started railroading in 1937, and that was the height of the steam days. And we'd uh, we had ash pits and hostlers to mechanics to uh, fix the engines, and it was a coal chute to Kohler engines, roundhouses, 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 and used to put them in there, and <clears throat> they had a big stack on top of the roundhouse to let the smoke out, and uh, we used to uh, love to go up through the mountains with the steam engines when they'd bark, and the woods would echo it back at you. Yeah. So we go up the mountain. We used to have two of them big uh, Mikado's engines, and they, they come out with what they call the Green Hornet. It was a oh the nineties. In the night, uh, they were nineties. They call them the Green Hornet. Yep. And we go up, and uh, they had all new innovations on them. They had a air whistle. You press a instead of pulling the cord like in the steam days, they had a they had a button that you'd push to uh, blow the horn. And uh, 
And then what we do, in the fall we had a little trouble with the steam. We go down through Champlain, there were a lot of trees, and the leaves would get on the rails. And they'd pick the drivers up. And the whole engine would shake, the, the wheels would go <laughs> You know, it's kind of scary, you know? And, uh, but we, after we get out of there, it was to, right by the station there, the leaves were falling in the fall and uh, it made the track slippery. The engineer put the sand down, and after we get out of there, we'd take off again. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so we went up the mountain. We used to always have a helper because uh, those days there were no uh, tractor trailers. And uh, everything went by rail. Yeah. Everything. Uh, all the gas, tanks, uh, uh, well, it was everything. Everything. How about uh, the helper coming up to Sierra uh, Busco? Oh. Tell us how you used to cut that off and how that ran. Yeah. We'd, uh, we'd go up to Sierra Busco at the top of the mountain. After we left Champlain, we start we start to uh, upgrade, and uh, we had a helper. Uh, this was steam days, and uh, we get up to the top of the mountain, and uh, we cut the we we uh, get water for the for the steam engine, the big one behind, uh, one of them big uh, green hornets, uh, we we called them, and we'd uh, we'd have to take water. And while they were taking water, we'd wait for them, give them a start to break over the mountain and go downhill towards Malone. Yeah. And uh, I'd get on the back of the helper and ride the rear board, the reel on the backboard, and uh, yeah. get them going, get them going good. And they'd toot the whistle when they were... When they could, ha they could, the uh, big engine could handle it behind it, toot the whistle, and I'd, they'd give me the slack, I'd pull the pin, and away we'd go with the helper. Go right up there just as fast as we could go, put the air on, I'd jump off, throw the switch, back into the, back into clear, throw the switch back for the main line. We'd go on the wide to turn our engine till we'd go back yeah. to our home base at Albert. Yeah. And, when that engine went by us, boy, she was roaring. The old steam, and boy, they were putting it right to them. About a hundred cars. We had everything in those trains, those days. Everything. And uh, when that big train would roar by, well, we'd wait until they could clear, then we'd, we'd go around the Y, turn our helper engine around, around the Y, turn it right back around again, and head back to Albert. Yeah, we'd have to go up to the station and get our orders to get back on the main line. Yeah, they give us the orders. I go get the orders. We come back and we we would run extra to back to Albert. Yeah. Huh. Now, did you ever know a guy named Pee Wee Stone? Oh yes, Pee Wee Stone. He and I worked that milk train. Every word he'd say would be damn or cuss or something. <laughs> Tell us the time about. Uh, time you get the capital. Oh, yeah. Well, we pulled into Malone on the milk train. Pee-wee was conductor. And Ethel used to bring him his his meal or sandwiches or something because 
you have to go through Ogdensburg. Of course, we didn't have any way of getting food on the train at the time, you know. She'd bring him the sandwiches. Well, anyway, when he came back, he deadhead back, he had a day off. He deadhead back to Malone. And he goes in, uh, when he got home, Ethel wasn't there, his wife, and uh, said, uh, you wouldn't got the uh, the meat it was in the was in the fridge, so he made some sandwiches for himself. <laughs> it was made out of the cat food. <laughs> so he got mad when he heard the Ethel said, "Well, you eat the cat food." Huey <laughs> said, "Well, I thought that was I thought that was meat for a sandwich. Why well, should know that was cat food?" So Huey said to her, "Don't you say a word." that I eat the cat food. Well, Ethel couldn't. Next time she'd come down to the station where we were going through the next day, she uh, she couldn't hold it no longer. And she said, you know what we did? And I said, no, what, what'd he do? She says, he had cat food sandwiches. <laughs> eat the cat food. Yeah. And, he made her promise not to tell me or tell anybody on the train. Told Jerry Newtown not. You didn't be we eat the cat food. You didn't tease him at all, did you? Huh? You didn't tease him at all. Oh yeah, we got after him. We asked him how he liked the cat food. Yeah. Went out of Alberg on a cold, windy, snowy day, and. We had a helper engine. We had three units, uh, three, two steam engines and a helper engine. We had the two, we had 190 and the other was uh, 37. So we started out of Alberg and uh, it was a policy to, uh, that the uh, third man, we had third, it was New York state law that if you had more than 25 cars, you had to have an extra brakeman. And he was the extra brakeman. So we get up to Chair Busco when they stop to take water. That's when the other, the third man would go ahead to help do the work at Malone. Yeah. So it was a cold, windy, windy day at at night, and we had lanterns. So the old Rutland lantern. He he started out from the caboose to go ahead at Chair Busco when they were taking water. So uh, came up and it was, the snow was, it was a bad night, the snow was blowing hard and uh, it blew his lantern out and he couldn't light it. So when they got, after they took water and got ready to leave, he didn't show up and the engineer and everybody looked back and never saw a light coming up. And they figured that he was going to stay in the caboose and he'd go ahead at Malone. So they started off. They took the whistle, started off. Two toots, you know. <clears throat> so we, uh, they started from Malone. So when they got to Malone, they wanted to know where the third man, how come he didn't get on a chair busco at the top of the mountain? They said, well, he left the caboose for the head end. And they come to find out we got to Malone, we started looking. 
where he was. Got to be somewhere. Either he's in Jerobusco or he didn't make it to Malone. So after searching the train, we found him in a hopper car. He was uh, dead. Oh, what was this guy's name? Uh, Donut. D O N. His name was Donut. We got him. He was an older man that came during the war when we couldn't get any. The boys are all in the service, and uh, he was an older man, but he had a little railroad experience. So finally, we searched in the train, climbed up in this empty hopper about halfway of the train, and he was down in the hopper. Went down, and he was dead. It was 20 below zero that night, and going down... After we were downhill, the train would pick up to 45, 50, 55 miles an hour downhill, you know. Yeah, and we get the And the coal dust choked him, and the cold air froze him. Oh. This is another tragedy. It was the one of the men I worked with. There was a helper engine that had gone through to Norwood, New York, where we had to deliver to the New York Central, our train. And the... Uh, the government inspector was there, and he said there was too much steam blown by that engine would obstruct your view to the cylinders. So they had to send it back to Alberg to have shopping. So they came down with that light engine back to Alberg from Norwood, New York. So when the uh, so on the way there was a switcher over across this point, across the lake, was, was doing their work, delivering the CN DNA. They had two connections over there. The Albert switcher used to go to Ross's point. The switcher. Yeah. The switcher was over to Ross's point, delivering <coughs> the cars and picking up the interchange. And so this this engine came down, but the switcher had left Ross's point and headed for Albert over the trestle. So this this engine came down. The engineer was supposed to go in and see the register, and he read it wrong. So they started out, and the switcher was only going 10, 15 miles an hour because they had no pony wheels on the front end. It was only restricted speed. Yeah. And we're hauling cars back to Elbert. So we just. And they didn't put markers out on the caboose, but they put daylight markers out with no, just hung the markers up, you yeah. know, in the rear end of the train. So they, uh, they come off the bridge and the switcher was just inside of the little wood, woody section off the end of the bridge yeah. on a little slight curve. And with the steam blowing from that helper engine that was supposed to be repaired. Didn't see the didn't see the switcher. Smashed right into the caboose. It was Christmas Eve. And the engineer said, Well we're going home for Christmas. He opened the throttle right up. They were only traveling ten miles an hour and he was going thirty, thirty five. Smashed right into that caboose. That was old Joe Favreau now, right? And Swingjaw. The the uh, the brakeman 
flagman run out on the rear when he saw the headlight yeah. and tried to throw out a fusee, but didn't have time. They killed him right there. Put him right up on top of the engine. Killed him instantly. So, the other the conductor was, was inside the caboose. And when he saw the, they thought that, of course they had a car knocker that he come from Alberg before we inspect the cars before we picked them up. Yeah. And he always put his big light on the back end. But that night he didn't. He had one of those, uh, what do you, uh, oh, you fill them with, uh, oh yeah, they had some kind of gas they put in them. Yeah, and they were gas lights. Yeah. And he always put down the back platform lit. That night he didn't. They would have seen it. They never saw that caboose, and they went on the rear of the train. He opened up that thing just like a watermelon, went right into the caboose. Yeah, Joe Joe. You used to work with Joe, didn't you? The irony of the whole thing is that Joe wanted me to go with him because we were working. He said, "We'll go. If you want to come with me, George, we'll work. We'll work the night job when it's so hot in the daytime. And then we can switch back onto the daytime when the weather's better." So I said, no, I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay where I am. You know, if it hadn't, that could have been me back there. Yeah. Instead of Joe. Yeah, I used to work with him. Yeah. And it, it's irony to know, Stephen, that uh, how many times that I've had come close to uh, being killed that I didn't. Yeah. It is really something. The yeah. time of the runaway car and. Oh, yeah, up there in... Uh, Junction? Yep. I could have been killed very easily, but I wasn't. Hmm. And there's uh, seven or eight fellows I work with who are all killed. Yeah, pretty dangerous business. Oh, yes. It was heavy equipment we handled, you know? Yeah, no radios, nothing. No radios. Uh, it was all hand signals and old kerosene lanterns and huge steam engines. Yep. It was uh, it was a real thing. Well, we had this local freight, and we used to have these uh, LCL cars. You know, we'd have to unload freight at each station. Yeah. So we uh, we we went into Chateaugay, and uh, the conductor, Fred Samoran, says, uh, "You can go up and do the switching, and I'll keep." Uh, the other brakeman here to help unload the car. So I said, okay. So I go out and I pull up in ahead of the, ahead of the uh, weight car that we had unloading. And we had to go up in the yard. We had cattle cars up there and uh, uh, feed cars, coal. And I was going to do the switching. So I pulled the pin and I motioned the engineer ahead just a little bit with here, just a little wave of my hand. Just pull away so I won't have to hold the pen up. We'll, we'll come away. Okay. So they took right off. You know, I just wanted to pull ahead a little off the pen. We had those motions that would say off the pen. Yeah. So they took off. And they run right over the derail and derail the engine. Uh -huh. Who's the engineer? Riley. Oh. Larry Riley was the engineer. 
and uh, Stearns was the fireman. He never looked at, see, the derail was on the track. There was a derail. I just motioned my head a little so I could go up and throw that derail. So they took right off, and I said, oh, my goodness. They went over that derail. It was used to put house cars there, see, and they had a derail. Yeah. It was downgrade, so anything, somebody let the brake off of those cars, they wouldn't want them in line. So they had a derail on that siding. So, oh my goodness, I says, I'll bet you, all of a sudden it came to a stop. I go up and here's the engine on the ground. Bill, it must have liked that. Oh, so it, so we got, they had to bring another, another engine in uh, from Alberg and put the railers down, you know, the re-railer. Yeah. And we got the engine back on the track and, uh, I wasn't there then at the time because we were, we didn't, I couldn't go anywhere then because they'd stopped. So, anyway, uh, we had to have the investigation. So the uh, superintendent came up one day and said, we're going to have an investigation on how they, you derailed that engine in Chattagay. And, uh, well, I told him, had me in and asked me questions. Well, I said, I pulled the pin and just motioned my head easy to get, so the, the pin kept dropping back, see. Yeah. But I didn't, the guys were working the car and they thought, uh, you know, if I hadn't pulled the pin and pulled the car away, the guys would have been hurt. Yeah. So I, uh, I uh, motioned my head and I was going to walk off after I, I'd pulled the pen for the cars we had to set off and pick up. And uh, what happened was, when they went over the derail, I went up. And uh, the engineer said, I knew that derail was there, but I somehow forgot about it. And the fireman said the same thing. Yeah. So when he took me in the office to... Uh, why didn't I throw the derail? So I told him, I said, I'm all to blame. I should have gone up and thrown the derail first, then walked back to 15 cars, pulled the pin. So I said, I'm all to blame. I should have thrown the derail first. But it was a long walk down there to throw the derail, then walk way back, pull the pin, we wanted to save time because we were getting late. We wanted to get in. Uh, so we went outlaw. You know, we call outlaw in those days. You know, you yeah. can work 16 hours and that's it. Yeah. In those days, 16 hours was a lot of times we outlawed. Yeah. Yeah. We had so much work to do. And, uh, well, anyway, he got the engineer in there, Riley. Riley says, I'm all to blame because I knew the DOL was there. And I didn't, and the fireman said the same thing. Everybody took the blame. So the superintendent came back to me and he said, you all took the blame. What am I going to do? <laughs> you all took the blame. Well, he says there wasn't anybody hurt. You know what I mean. Uh, I mean evidently nobody got the merits on it. No, no. He said, I never made an investigation yet where everybody on the crew took the blame. <laughs> Took it too. So he, he patted me on the back and said, George, you were just telling the truth. 
son was there, and he left for the West, you know. Yeah, and uh, of course he was trademaster. The old man got him a good job, you know. Yeah, and uh, a lot of people didn't like Jimmy Lovett. No. no. Well, he pushed his weight a little, you know. Yeah. Well, anyway. Uh, Let's see what else we got here. Well, tell about the wire box car ride there you had. Well, Malone. Yeah. Okay. So. Those days, uh, I'm going back in the 30s and uh, or 40s. There was no tractor trailers that hauled automobiles, so we used to have these cars that would haul automobiles. They'd chain them up, put another one underneath them. They were auto cars with big double doors, and we'd deliver all these cars to the dealers all along the line. So I was working Malone Switcher at the time. This is steam. Steam days. No, I take that back. We just got rid of the steam engine. We had a diesel. First diesel. Yeah. And they put it in Malone Yard that we could switch with. Yeah. It was one of the 400s. Yeah, okay. And uh, we we went over to Malone Junction. So we backed in on the house and took the empty, the empty uh, auto car. We're going to deliver it back to New York Central. So we go to New York Central. We had to pick up over there, too. They, they interchange. And uh, we'd do that work. And uh, so when we got the loaded, we, we dropped it in. What you call a drop is get a little start, pull the pin, and, and throw the switch and let it go in towards the house. So the other brakeman I was working with was Robert Dragon. And he, uh, he spotted it. Right on the platform to unload. He wrote it right in there. Whether the car stopped or not, we don't know. And uh, anyway, he uh, he stopped the car right on the spot. He put the brake up. He said, "Day four. Yeah. So you need a car brake. Okay. Yeah. And so when we went over that time, uh, the other brakeman pulled the pin on the engine. And we're downhill, say so we're going to drop it by us. This is the next day when it's empty. Yeah, when it's empty, we went and picked it up on the, on the uh, back of our engine. See, then we went to Long Junction with it. Yeah. So when we got Long Junction, there was no place to run around the car unless you went to, I don't know how many miles down them long tracks to just run around one empty car. Yeah. So we'll, it's downhill, we'll drop it in, what they call a drop. Yep. So Bob, the guy that rode the car in it, Malone, I get up on the brake. And we dropped it in. Of course, it's a pretty steep grade right there. I start flying. He got away. And he dropped off the engine through the switch. And I went down the siding with it. Well, there was no goddamn brake. And I was going up at least 20 to 25 miles an hour. Right down that long, oh, it's pretty near a mile track. The more I went, the faster it went. Yep. So they see me go when I was just supposed to stop it in the clear. They went back with the engine and took down the next, they went the next track down and chased me. And I hollered at them when I went by, no brake, no brake. 
boy and I was going down that track. I wound it, wound it, wound it. It must have got tangled underneath or something, but I couldn't stop that car. Down the bottom, there was a little sag, and it slowed a little bit. I even got a hold of the chain and pulled on it, so, you know what I mean? Put the brake shoes on that car. So when we hit that little sag, the car slowed and the engine went by me. They chased me. Yeah. Right down the next track. That's the track that they went in on to begin the, okay. the drop. So I said, oh boy, she's going right down. Got down to probably, probably 10, 12 miles an hour. So, uh, oh, oh, look what Gates got. Well, anyway, we went, uh, the engine went by me. I said, oh boy, they're going to go down ahead of me, and then when I come down, they'll catch me. So then I started picking up speed after I got out of the side. Still downhill. So when I hit the side, the engine went, picked up speed. were chasing me down the next track. And the, uh, they went ahead of me, and I said, oh boy, I'm, I'm all set now. All I got to do is when they get the other end, I'll, I'll just couple on the engine. Stop me. Yeah. Well, what happened was the fireman got off, and he run like the dickens to throw a switch. Those are spring switches. You could have gone through them, see? Yeah. But the engineer was hollering at him, there's derails down here, derails. I don't want to derail this engine. So it slowed him right down. And the fireman was motioning, come on, come on, because there's no derails, because he run down ahead of the engine. Yeah. So. That was Earl King, wasn't it? Yeah. Earl was running like a fool. And no derails. He was motioning the engineer to come. Well. It was too late. I went through the switch, hmm. run through it, and I was headed. I don't know where. I thought it was on the main line. I was headed right out to Montreal. Huh. Yeah, that's right on the main line. Yeah. I said, if I get on that main line, it's all downhill. Where am I going to go? Anyway, they come behind me and nail that car with the switcher. And the pins drop. Usually, nine times out of ten, you hit a moving car with the engine, just give it a more start. Yeah. They hit it just right when the pin dropped. And when it did, it almost threw me off the end of the car. You know. Yeah. yeah it, quick stop. It was a quick stop and a jar. You know. I was so exhausted that I was shaking like a leaf. I had no strength at all, Stephen. Couldn't get off the car. I couldn't get off the car. My legs were shaking. My arms were tired. I lay right down on the car. Earl come over and he was hollering up. He says, "Are you all right?" And I said, uh, "I'm all right, but I can't get off right now. I got to get my strength back." And everything was flowing through my arms and my legs. You know, yeah. yeah. It was just like a electric shocks. I was exhausted. Anyway. I said, give me time and I'll I get my strength back, I'll, I'll come down the ladder. So it took me a good 15 minutes, you know. Yeah. Finally I got, I said, I'll try it. And I lay right down on the catwalk, you know. Yeah. And finally I get on my knees, 
in my hands and had to turn around to go down the ladder. Yeah. And I, uh, when I got enough strength back to go down the ladder, I climbed back down. And I said, where does this track lead to? There was a great big embankment with the red light. It was a great big pile of stop. Uh, this, the stop had to come out of the yard so it wouldn't go on the main line. Oh, okay, yeah, dead end track. Yeah. Dead end track. It was a great big mound with a with a red light on it. Yeah. And if I'd have hit that on that car when I had no strength, I'd have been flying through the air. Gone. I've been gone. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Cheeseman? Another one of my... Uh, Wasn't it Dizzy Cheeseman? No. No, it was another... One of his brothers. Good Don? Yep. So, I was called for the afternoon switcher in Alberg, and uh, we had a we had two switchers, one one day and one night. And the uh, I went down to work, and they had this friend of mine, their fellow brakeman, laying on the lawn. I said, "What's the matter with him?" They said, "He's dead." I said, what do you mean, dead? He says, he just got killed here in the yard. Ooh. And uh, what happened was that we were short of men. It was during the war times. And he was a, uh, he had to double over, work two shifts. It was a terrible hot, hot day. Yeah. And our tracks were awful close together. And he was riding the side of a boxcar when they went down through the yard. And they said he got kind of overcome by the heat, and he put his head back and struck the car on the adjoining track with his head. Huh. And it just crushed his skull. Huh. That, and then there was that Dick Corto. He said, I went to work on the CV after the Rutland went out of business. I went over on the CV, and Dick Corto was riding a car, coal car. He used to work with us. Yeah. He went on the Central Vermont. He was riding his coal car up, a lot of snow on the track, and it jumped the track, and That's he was good. riding the side, and run into his own train. Mm. Hung him right up on, crushed him. Oh. Then there was later years and on Amtrak, is when the conductor I worked with for years, uh, Church, Burn Church, yeah, was yeah. killed in the Amtrak wreck. Yeah. I lost 12, 12 guys died in my 41 years of railroad. We're killed. Hmm. Well, Pee-wee there, he, he was a free spirit, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. And he was, everything was, everything was okay with Pee-wee. But boy, he, when he'd get mad, his face get red as a bee, you know? Yeah. His face be red as the devil. <laughs> well, anyway, he kind of used the language uh, the wrong way, you know, uh, but he was really chicken-hearted. So he went uh, he went down on Harrison Place in Malone, where I was up there at the time working. Uh, I was brakeman. He was conductor. And he went down the street, and uh, he bought a duck. They had some ducks there, you know. So... He bought a duck. He was going to take him home and he was going to kill him and dress him and they'd have duck. Well, he'd have a few beers, you know. He got thirsty again. 
So he took the duck under his arm. He walked into the bar room. He wanted two beers. The bartender said, two? Well, he says, one for the duck and one for me. So he took a, he said, you got a plate? The guy said, yeah. Well, give me a soup dish. So he took the bottle. He had two bottles of beer. He had one for him, one for the duck. He poured the beer in the, in the bowl, and he put the duck up there, and the duck locked it up. <laughs> the duck was eating, drinking that beer and beat that with his bill. So Pee-wee oh. finished his beer. So he said to the bartender, you got a string or anything in there? And he says, yep. So he gave Pee-wee... And Pee-wee uh, took the duck out, tied the string around his neck, started walking down the street with a duck. And the duck went waddling all over, he drug her in the ditch. <laughs> in the, you had to kind of pull him along. He was waddling all over and falling over and everything. <laughs> that duck. Oh, God. Oh, gee, boys. I tell you, that guy was a character. He was always, always doing something that, that was unusual. Oh, he's really, he's picking that agent there all the time. Then he goes and gets the loudest polka dot hat you ever saw. And he put that on. Oh, geez, so big, so I remember seeing those. Oh, yeah. And he, polka dot hat. Polka dot. Oh, they have the brightest polka dot you ever saw. And he'd come out and he'd, he'd look at you as if, funny, he would turn his head a little bit and look at you as if he was going to say something about his hat. <laughs> I didn't dare because, boy, he'd probably call me every name in the book. <laughs> I about that? Was that him with the, with the cars on the ground there at Marlon? Uh, oh, yeah. Didn't I tell you that one and the other one? When yeah, I guess he We did. counted the cars and we told Pee-wee, I said, we got enough in there, 23 cars, all it's going to hold. He said, no, 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 no. He said, you're, you're wrong. You, you counted wrong. He said, you got two more to go in on that track. If you don't, he says, i got to go way up there and set them off and then come back and get them, and we could push them in there. We pushed them in there right over the two of them over the derail, <laughs> the other end of the track. He must have got the merit for that. Well, he'd get out of it somehow. Uh, you know, yeah. well, he, was, he was a smart old duck, you know. Yeah, he knew everybody in Rutland. And he on. was our general chairman yeah. that pr protected our jobs and everything. So he goes down to Rutland, you know, to meet with the superintendent. We wanted a raise. And we were under this, uh, uh, they were cutting our pay, see? Yeah. At the time, it got a little hard going, and they, they started cutting our pay. So, here he goes down, puts his fist on the table. Lovett says, the general manager said, we can't, we can't give it to you. We just don't have it. We're not going to give it to you. Pee-wee slammed his fist down the table. Oh, he said, wait a minute. He went and took a penny out of his pocket and he slammed it on the table. He said, there. There's your compensation. <laughs> he went down the stairs. Lovett followed him right down, right at the bottom of the stairs, and he was yelling at him. They were screaming, both of them. <laughs> yeah, he popped the Oh, boy, he, you know, he, he got that guy into... Love it into a tantrum. Oh, yeah. There it goes. I guess I'll have to start over again. Uh, we had a little interruption, huh? Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, 
conducted uh, Fred Saborn uh, was a very immaculate dresser, and uh, he was the conductor. Of course, he didn't have to get out and, uh, and do the work. He just supervised everything, and uh, he'd, come out, he'd come to work with the nicest pinstripe coat on, white with pinstripes, and he was dressed right up good. So this was during the war, and uh, we had to go down in uh, Sheridan Ironworks in Champlain and get, uh, uh, they made airplane wings for the planes. And we had these open-end cars where uh, we would, they'd load the wings through the, they were so long, it'd be the whole length of the car, 50 foot long. And they'd load that car with airplane wings. And uh, so we had to, we went down one time and we were there a long time because uh, they had one more to, they hadn't quite finished. And so the, the engine, uh, we had steam then, and uh, the old steam days, and uh, the engine had sat there for about, oh, about an hour. And finally, Fred walked down to see what was wrong. We didn't come back from the uh, from the shop. And uh, when he came down, he, he was standing by the engine. And uh, and about the time he got there, uh, the car was was ready to go. So uh, we went to start it up. And when they pulled the throttle, it had been laying there for so long that the uh, black uh, stuff would come out stack. And it, it spewed right out of the stack, and it came down just like rain, right on his beautiful jacket. <laughs> it was a polka dot jacket boy, when when he got it. Well, anyway, he was he was an awful violent man. He uh, he just cussed and everything else at the engineer because he should have put his his, uh, his shuttlecocks on to blow the steam first before he pulled the throttle to blow that out on the side, not up in the air. Well, anyway, he was covered with black, black water, and he was a mess. And boy, was he mad. He had to work all the rest of the day like that. So we never saw him again. I guess he was too ashamed to get out of the caboose. We never saw him again until we tied up in, in Malone. And uh, he said, uh, that engineer did that to me. And the engineer said, well, I didn't. What are you doing down here? He says, those guys are doing a good job down here. You didn't have to come down. Well, he says, it's your own fault. You got, you got peppered. <laughs> he was a, a cribbage fan. He loved to play cribbage. And so we're on the milk train, and it was passenger and uh, combination, passenger and milk. And, uh, in between stations, we didn't have anything to do, so we'd bring out the cribbage board. And we'd play cribbage, five cents a hole. So he was a very good cribbage player. Boy, he used to take me for a ride all the time. And he always wanted to get some money out of me, and he'd laugh at me. So this time, I got on the street. I got the cards. Boy, and I put it to him, good too. So he, all of a sudden, I never saw you be so lucky, he said. Never, never, never be so lucky as that. So we had to stop at Ellenburg, let some passengers off, take on a couple. And we had to do some milk work, you know. So I went up ahead, and I was gone quite a while. And I come back, and uh, he says, well, you're going to leave there. We'll chat again. That's another half hour before we get there, and we'll play some more cribbage. So we, we started. Boy, my luck's still home. 
and I get the nicest cards, you know. And finally, before we got Shady Gay, boy, he got mad, so he took that pack of cards. I said, you fix those cards when I was up doing the work there at Ellenburg, setting the, getting them milk cars set off, take care of the passengers. You were back here, and I said, you, you fix that deck. No, he says, I didn't. Well, I, after I beat him, he said, I did. I told you I didn't fix that deck. So we pegged up a couple more holes, Stephen, and I beat him again. Uh-uh. He jumped right up and took the cards, and he threw them right out the back of the coach. <laughs> he threw them right there flying all over the tracks. Didn't Pee Wee like to make you, uh, have you make the calls on the rainy days? Oh, yeah. If we get, we get a thunderstorm, we used to have to pull in, clear our train up, see? And uh, we pull in on the side, and we call the operator out of the box there at the earphones, and we'd ring. We had a ringer. We'd, we'd ring the station, need answer, and I'd say, well, so our number of our train was in a clear up here. And he said, you can have a clear block. We had the clear yeah. semaphore signals that would give them a clear, call them clear blocks, you know. Yep. Give them the green light and the green signal. Well, anyway, it was thundering. Oh, it wasn't raining yet, but we thundering and lightning. Pee-wee says, uh, George, you, you go up and clear us up there, he said, in the box. And I said, well, you got to do what the conductor says. You've got to go and do it. So I went in the box, and he was looking out the window. We had a lightning wicket. All of a sudden, boy, that lightning hit that line. It came right into my ears. Snap. Crack. And I took the headphones off, and I threw them. I could see Pee-wee was laughing like a fool in there in the coat. He said, he got it. He got it. <laughs> yeah, that made his old day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so I said... That's enough of that. We'll pull down. I'm not going back in that box again. And I put it away. We pulled down the siding down to the other end. And I says, I'll go clear us up down here. Not anymore in that box. Oh, boy. Those were the days, huh? Oh, jeez. It was always something. Always something. And we're going to be talking about the Rutland Milk Train on the ONLC, train number seven and eight. That would be uh, number seven north and number eight south. Okay, and what we're going to do is uh, talk about a typical day's work and as we went to work in Alberg and work north on number seven. Okay? Yeah, going north. Okay. Where is it? Just talk? Yeah, ready to roll. Okay. Uh, we get on uh, number seven to Alberg, change the crews from the main line crews, would get off and we'd get on and Go to Augsburg, New York, and we'd go down. The first duty was to go down back into the ice house and load the LCL cars. Uh, that's less car load with ice, and they had a crew down there that used to put the ice. In. Of course, we'd help them drag the ice in. There were 60, 70 pound cakes, 80 pounds, and uh, then we'd have to divide them up, put them so many cakes in one end, so many in the other end, too, so the car wouldn't be. Uh, Loaded uh, where it would be yeah, off, uh, off balance, where the couplings yeah. would—they uh, would come apart. Yeah. So we'd balance the load, and uh, we'd ice up three of them, and then uh, we'd leave there, and uh, we'd go to uh, our next stop would be Champlain, and then uh, we uh, we'd fly the car by, 
and uh, we put the engine towards the Sheridan and Ironworks there at Champlain, and uh, the car down the main line. Then we'd go back with the engine, get our train, and uh, we'd pull down those on the car and push it up to the Champlain Creamery and spot it up there at the platform. And uh, our next stop would be uh, Ellenberg, where they took uh, what we call the bottle cars. Uh, they were uh, thermos glass line tanks. And there were two tanks, one on each end of the car. And uh, they used to have little windows up above that used to put the pipes through to pump the milk in. And these tanks all had a little little glass near the top, so when the milk, they could see that when it was, the tanks were full. Uh, so we, we'd spot one up there, and uh, then we go to, uh, let me see, where was the next stop? Uh, see, uh, probably Cherubusco, uh, after Ellenberg. No, in Ellenberg, and we'd spot uh, one at Ellenberg, uh, one of the tanks. Yeah. And then we'd leave there, and uh, we'd go to Mullins Junction, and we'd spot one in the Rutland Yard at the Creamery at Malone Junction. Didn't you have one at Chateaugay, though? Now, Chateaugay had a... By Chateaugay, I skipped Chateaugay, but yeah. we used to spot a, a tank in there, tank car. Then, uh, then Malone Junction, and then we go to Bangor, uh, then we set out the LCL cars to the General Ice Cream Corporation there with... But, uh, would load them for us in the morning, coming back. Uh, then we'd go to uh, Norwood, and we'd leave one of the tanks for the, uh, what was that, uh, what was that, what was that? I can't remember what there. Norwood and St. Lawrence? Yeah, the NSDL, Nor Norwood and St. Lawrence. Okay, yeah. And we'd leave them a tank. and. Uh, then we go to Lisbon, New York, that's this side of Augensburg, and we, have, we set out another tank. Then we went to Augensburg. So by that time, you just had the engine. Yeah, we did. We uh, had a coach and the baggage car and yeah. combo. We used carry passengers, too. Okay. And uh, so that was what we did going up, so going you north. You had to Augensburg, cut off the train, put the engine away. Yeah. Put the engine away, and of course we had steam hoses in the winter time, and we'd have to disconnect. Yeah. Okay. They had steam heat there in the yard. Yeah. And uh, well, when you then had a, we'd put the engine on the engine house track, and they'd go to the engine house. And, uh, uh, the next morning, we'd leave. Uh, we'd get up early. You had a rooming house. You stayed there. Yeah. Yeah. We stayed at a rooming house overnight, and. Uh, the hotel would give us a room for 50 cents. Boy, that's a pretty good deal. Yeah, well, you should stay up there. <laughs> the only trouble is the fire station was was awful close by when they started that fire. <laughs> the siren would take us right out of bed. <laughs> but it was 50 cents. You can beat that price. No. And uh, so we paid our own those days. The railroad didn't, okay. The railroad didn't pay it. <laughs> then we had another place, a, a boarding house at... Uh, <coughs> charges 50 cents a night and that was close to the station okay so it was uh it was the first house up on we'll go up the hill out of this off the station and 
and it was the first house on the left, and so we we decided for the same price, a lot closer. Yeah. Especially in the winter, we didn't have walks so far. Oh yeah. Well, anyway, we used to stay there, and uh, then there was another boarding house there that boarded the railroad men. Her name was Mrs. Bastion, and she used to have a lot of rumors uh, there. She had New York Central men and Rutland men, uh-huh. and uh, well, anyway, uh, we got set off at Augensburg. And uh, next morning, we'd, we'd get up early, 5 o'clock, we'd go right down to work. And uh, we'd get our engine off the engine house and couple onto the train. In the wintertime, we'd hook up the steam hoses and get the steam through the train. And then we'd, uh, we'd leave on schedule. What, 6, 6.30? Yeah. And then uh, we'd get up around, uh, we'd get to Lisbon, we'd have, we'd have to pick up our tank car, we'd set out. It was loaded, and we'd pick that up, and we'd go to Norwood, and uh, then we'd get another one there off the St. Jane L. C. Norwood and St. Lawrence. Norwood and St. Lawrence, I mean yeah. to say. Yeah. And uh, then we'd, our next stop would be, uh, uh, let me think now. Let's see, no. No. Then we go to... Uh, Oh, North Lawrence. North Lawrence. North Lawrence would have. I forgot that. Going up, we'd set up these flat cars with two tags on them. Yes, sir. Yeah. At North Lawrence. So we'd go down to North Lawrence, down the hole there by the river. We'd go down there and we'd pick that one up. Okay. And uh, one day, when we were going down there one day to get that car, they were uh, doing some uh, work on the creamery. And they had a dynamite. They set off some dynamite, and the stones were hitting the cars and everything. I I jump off and cover up my head. And it was an awful boom, boy. Didn't let you know they were coming in there. Oh, that was the Borden Ice Cream Company or the Borden uh, Creamery. Oh boy. And it was Borden. Uh, they, of course, they they couldn't have warned us. Uh, they didn't think we'd be coming down in there. And they let that blast go. <laughs> boy, I'll tell you. Well, anyway. We'd pick that car up, and uh, then our next stop would be... Uh, See, how about Winthrop? Nothing there? Uh, nothing at Winthrop, no. Rushton? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, no. Oh! I forgot going up again. We had a shoddy gate car. Yeah. And we had a... Hey, we got uh, shoddy gate. Uh, next, next, next station, uh, uh, Burke. Burke had a car? Burke, Burke Creamery. They had a tank car. Yeah, they had a big creamery. And uh, so we picked that one up. And of course, Malone Junction, we had to pick that one. And of course, Bangor, we set our yeah, the LCL. LCLs out. And then they'd load the platform. We always had one car for short shipments. Okay, yeah. And they'd have all these cans filled with ice cream mix and cream on the platform with the canvas covering them in the summer. Yeah. They'd throw ice in there, and so we, we'd have to load them. So we'd load them in the LCL cars, and then we pick up two cars besides that, that they we had set out on the siding, mm-hmm. going north. Yeah. And uh, so uh, then we got down. Of course, uh, we got to Mullen Long Junction. There was another tank car we spotted, and we had picked that up with the load. Yep. And. Uh, then we go to uh, 
Burke, and we'd have another tank car to pick up. Yep. And Shadi Gay had a tank car, and we'd pick that up. Then we'd leave Shadi Gay, we'd go to uh, Ellenburg. Did I get Ellenburg going up? Yep, you did. Yeah. And nothing, then, at uh, the, nothing at Cherubusco? Uh, no. So we had one at there. Of course, they all they used to truck it down to the creameries there. See, if they didn't have a creamery, they'd go down yeah. the next next uh, town and okay. that had a creamery. So we'd uh, we'd pick up that car, Ellenburg. That was a tank. Yeah. And uh, when we'd leave there, we'd go down to uh, Champlain. Yeah. And Champlain, we once we set out, we had an LCL car. And we'd pick that up, and then we'd uh, we'd have pretty good train. I guess, it, yeah. And one day, one time, that was known as a million-dollar milk train. Was well, the 1920s? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh my goodness! I forgot too. We had a car that they would load just half half the car. Irona would do that. Okay. Wait for it. Yeah, and we'd, we'd hook up the pipes and we'd wait for them to pump in just one of the tanks full. <coughs> and Burke was the same way, half a half a car, yeah, half a car. So we'd have to wait for spot him. that car that we had spotted previously at Irona to load it, and they'd finish loading that full car. Now, now he's talking about Irona. Isn't that the famous creamery where Mr. Buddha bought Pee Wee Stone a new suit? What? A new suit. He told Pee Wee if he'd stop swearing and dropping the milk can, then he'd oh, yeah. a new suit of clothes. <laughs> you heard that story, haven't you? And then uh, no, Pee Wee gets the new set of clothes, and then the, the guy, Buddha, says, Pee Wee, you got to stop that cussing, and you got to stop dropping these milk cans. And yeah. And throwing them all over the place. Yeah. So Pee Wee went about two weeks. He didn't swear at all at Irona, <laughs> and he didn't drop a milk can, see? Yeah. So. He, he bought Pee with a new set of clothes, new, yeah. nice new suit, okay? Yeah. And then about a week later, Pee Wee comes in half drunk, swearing and hollering and cussing and drops one of the milk cans. And Buddha says, well, Pee Wee, after I bought you that new suit and everything, look at your fine shape. Pee Wee says, go to hell, you holy roller. I got your suit of clothes. You can have it back if you want it. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Well, he used to give us a turkey on uh, on Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. Right out of the store. Well, they were very religious people, like you call them a holy roller. Yeah. You wouldn't even sell pack cigarettes. Wow. Cigarettes was out. No liquor <laughs> or no beer, no cigarettes. God. That was the way it was. Huh. <clears throat> yeah. Let's see. So you picked up now. We got Iron, we got Champlain. Now we got Champlain. We pick up a Champlain. We pick up the LCL car. They'd have it loaded, see. Yeah. And that was uh, that was heavy cream. Yeah. And then, and of course, we had to when we pick up these cars. You know, a lot of time we had to ice them. Mm -hmm. Ice the cans. That's what we had the ice for. We used to have an axe that uh, one of them fire axes that we'd uh, bust up the. Yeah. And we had tongs that we'd take it and throw it up on top of the cans. Keep them cool. To keep them cool. Yeah. Okay. And a lot that. of times uh, we. We'd have so many that we'd have to ice between stations. We'd we'd be in there, yeah, uh, putting ice on those cans between stations. Huh. Yeah. So 
So you would uh, then get into Alberg. And we get into Alberg and we'd back into the platform. And we'd load cans off the platform. Oh, okay, yeah. Into the LCL car. Yeah, there's a platform right See, that, uh, the mainline crew didn't do that because they, we had to do it because we we're still in our own territory. Yeah. And so we'd wheel in what they had there and we'd, we'd ice it right there. Yeah. And then we'd, uh, we'd close up the car and, uh, then the mainline, uh, would take over there at the station at the station yeah and go to Rutland yeah sometimes we'd have as high as uh, 20 cars yeah wow yeah and wasn't there a swing job there wasn't there one fellow went all the way through to Rutland yeah swing man okay so, uh, we had the swing man so an own LC guy yeah yeah we'd uh, we'd have an extra man on there because of the cream we had to wheel and cans you know yeah and we had a man there that could uh, take one of those milk cans and throw it and uh, whirl it 20 feet and put it right in place. Wow. <laughs> Line them right up. Bing, 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 bing. Wheel them. That, was that wasn't you? Fling them. Oh, yeah. We'd stand right there. With Newtown and I and, and uh, Lavanchi, Ted Lavanchi. Yeah. And he was the guy inside the car. I'd give them to Jerry, <coughs> wheel them in the car to Jerry, and Jerry'd spin them down to, what's his name, and he'd bang them right in place. <laughs> Wow. Line them up just like you would soldiers. <laughs> Boy, could in those uh, a lot of them had the loose handles. Yeah, and them handles would you give them a spin, and them handles would come right out straight. Wow, you know they come right in the gas. Yeah, yeah, bing, bing, and you could hear them rattle in there. You would line them right up. Boy, he yeah, knew how to do it. Yeah, we got so we could uh, we could spin a can uh, 15, 20 feet. Wow, yeah. awesome. Then you had to grab it when it was coming at you. Yeah. And give it another spin to the next guy. Did you ever spill any? Huh? Did you ever spill one? It would, would tip them over, but the covers were sealed down with lead. Oh, okay. They had these uh, lead things that go around the little holes in the cover of the milk can seat. Yeah, okay. And then they, they'd, uh, they'd seal it yeah. down to the handle. Oh, they, I didn't know that. They'd okay. put a lead seal on them. Yeah. So we, we've, uh, we've missed you once in a while, but not too often. Uh, we tip them over. But we could uh, we could load probably thirty cans there, and, boy, in ten minutes, boy. almost just yeah. wang them right off the platform, right up the right into the car, and then down the corner they go. Hard to believe you would just ship milk in a can like that. Yeah, in today's standards. Yeah, you see the General Ice Cream Corner, the uh, General Ice Cream Company at uh, at Bangor. That was all ice cream mix. And that would go to Boston, Springfield, New York. Wow. And we'd wow. have to keep a record of everything. Every can. We'd have what we call a milk report. Yeah. You'd have to fill that out. So many cans goes here, Springfield, so many cans to New York, so yeah. many cans wherever they were going. Hmm. You'd have to make this big milk list. Yeah. Huh. And then we'd come to Alberg, and then the main line crew would take over, and then when they'd get in Rutland, they'd have to go get a helper Sometimes. to pull them into the yeah. pull them into the Rutland, at the Rutland station. Huh. Proctor Hill or Proctor, you know, they'd yeah. have to get down there. Yeah, had a helper engine. They had so much milk and wow. cars that uh, they'd have to get a helper engine. Yeah, because they picked up all along the way. <laughs> they picked up Virgins and and uh, no. all in places down through there. Kept picking up. Now, Elberg used to ship a bulk, a bulk car, a tank car. Yeah. Now, maybe the switcher put that on, huh? The switcher would take care of that one. That's what I thought, yep. That was a tank. Yeah, that went right up until the... Model car. Yep. 
Yeah. They shipped that rip until the time of the strike. Yeah, so the switching crew would be out and they'd get that car when the milk would come in. Put it on. They'd uh, put a bigger engine on. Yeah. Passenger engine, one of the big high wheelers. Oh, okay. Uh, we had the smaller of a 50 class. Oh, okay, yeah. And they put and, one uh, Probably put one of the 70 or 80s on there. Yeah. yeah, they did. They put the big ones on. Yeah. And uh, we'd, uh, while they were, we got our, our engine off and go down in the yard. they go down in the yard with it, down to the engine house. And uh, while they were gone, the switcher would, would come and put that milk car on. Yeah. The tank, couple it on. Yeah. Oh. Then after the switcher get out of the way, the, the yeah. other tr- the engine would come down to go south. They'd, uh, you know, they'd couple up. Hmm. But... It was a, it was a busy thing, oh, and of course we had passengers, and uh, and they, uh, a lot of times we had to make out, uh, uh, we had to get cash from, yeah, and make out a, a rebate for them, punch you wherever they were going, okay, yeah, and then we get in, we'd have to uh, take the cash, and, and they had a uh, wax, or you'd take a match and light it, yeah. To seal the envelopes with cash in it. Send it to Rutland. Send it to Rutland. Huh. And we had to put on the outside of the envelope the amount of cash that was in there. Yeah. Plus a copy of the rebate. Yeah. Huh. Of the ticket. Yep. So we had these big books, uh, and each had a carbon so we can make two. So you, one went to the passenger, and the other went to Rutland oh, okay. with the cash. Yep. And of course, we had uh, up in the we had a mail car too, mm-hmm. and uh, we baggage car. Then we have to uh, in the winter time the uh, the coach had uh, coal burning stoves. Okay, yeah. And I used to have to have to get started to get the coal fire going. Yep. And uh, we had a coal bed. We used to burn chestnut, chestnut coal. Hard coal. That burned pretty good. Yeah, and uh, I'd bank it up good and give it a good start and shut it down. And and that was, uh, mm. and then when uh, we had an extra, uh, I used to have to leave the coach and go up and help the boys uh, with the cars. Yeah. Now, that was the milk train. Now we're going to talk about... Uh, when you worked the Malone Way Freight between Albert and Malone. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the LCL car and how that worked and stuff. Yeah. All the switching you had. Yeah. We had uh, very busy those days. Yeah. Printer every station would work. Oh, yeah. They had cars all over the place. And we had these speed cars, uh, GLF it was in. Mm-hmm. And uh, cars of feed. Uh, now, all that came by rail those days. And we'd start out in, uh, it'd be one at Moore's and, and down Champlain on that spur track of Champlain. Yeah. And then we'd have the, uh, Big Sheridan Ironworks. Yeah. Who spot, spot cars of coke in there to heat their furnaces. Uh-huh. And, uh, then they used to ship out during the war, they'd ship out. We'd had to get these cars off the Central Vermont that had a open end. Uh-huh. And they put these airplane wings in there. Oh, really? Yeah, they made airplane wings and parts of airplanes. Huh. And uh, then we'd, uh, and during the spring of the year, we had what we call a seed car. Mm-hmm. The farmer's uh, seeds. Oh, yeah. Bags and bags and bags of them. Wow. 
the car would be full when we would come to Elberg and we had the LCL uh, car going to uh, going up to, to Malone. We had to, uh, and the operator at the station would have to come out and check each bag of, of seed, hay seed stuff, you know, full. Boy, we used to have it. And we get all done. It was piled in there. So we got to Malone. We'd have two or three bags, four or five bags of feed to, that we dug out underneath the piles after we left the station. Oh, wow. We have to bring them back next day. Huh. Yeah. So when you worked the LCL car, you used to keep that right to the end of the train. Yeah. You pull up the platform. We pull the platform. Yeah. And then we had this uh, Manette's furniture. Oh, yeah, but it's at Moore's. At Moore's. And, they, and uh, of course, the Sheridan Ironworks, Champlain, was a big, big thing. Yeah. That all these steel bars, castings of all sorts and kinds. Yeah. And then Manette would have his electric, his stoves. Yeah. His mattresses, beds. We'd have to unload all that stuff. And the agent would check it in. Check it all in. The, uh, the operator would be out there with his, his check, and we'd check everything out. Yeah. Then we'd unload the, this. Of course, one LCL car we would be steel bars. Hmm. And they'd be kind of grease-like, you know. Yeah. We'd have to have gloves, uh, special gloves to, to handle them. And we'd drag them in the station, into the freight house, yep. and, and they'd come get them, see, from Sheridan. Oh, oh Sheridan. Sheridan Ironworks. Yep, Champlain, yeah. Yeah. And boy, uh, one time, it must have been rough handling or something. One of them big castings, they were cams, mm -hmm. big cams, and they were turned down. They'd ship them rough, uh, rough, see, and they'd be turned. Wherever they were going, they had a, a lathe that would turn, turn them from yep. the rough, you know. Okay. And uh, <laughs> they opened the car one time to go in there, and here's one of these great big catches right through an electric stove. Oh, wow. <laughs> right? It's an electric stove. Man, <laughs> all that. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh. We used to have cigarettes. Yeah. Lucky Strikes, Chesterfields. Really? Old Golds, carton after carton of them. Huh. Yeah. I suppose just about everything got shipped that way, Tyler. Oh, boy, we had everything. Everything you could think of. Yeah, of course, there's no trucks. We had plowshares. Yeah. You know, going to Ellenburg and all that farming district. Yeah. And uh, we had farm machinery, uh, small stuff that we could handle in a car, see. And uh, we used to even load uh, pea washers. Yeah. Great big crates of them. Yeah. It washes the peas. Okay. All that stuff came by rail. Yeah. There was yeah. No, the trucks didn't give us any problem. No, not those days. In the wintertime, we'd get an awful storm, and the bread truck couldn't get up to Ellenburg and them places. The roads were, weren't plowed or anything. Yeah. And uh, we'd, we'd load it in the, in, the, in the caboose, and we'd get up there to Ellenburg. We'd unload it. Huh. The guy gave us rolls and cakes and everything. <laughs> we'd only take it for Glad to get his bread. Good bread. Glad to get rid of it. So you get it up there. The only way you could do it. Yeah. Huh. We used to have some fierce storms. Never charged for that. <laughs> oh no, he he give it to us. You know. Oh, okay. Yeah. For yeah. Uh, for taking it. Doing it. Yeah. Oh, that's a pretty good deal. Yeah. So we'd have cakes and cookies. And <laughs> yeah. Of course, those days you cooked on the old caboose, though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, boy, I'll tell you, railroad in those days was uh, was rugged stuff. Yeah. We come out one time on the milk train, it was in the winter time. We got stuck at Burke, a cup in Burke. Yeah. And we could not move. The engine was 
wheels would be spinning. We couldn't. So we had to cut them off one car at a time. So we got quite a heavy train, see? Yeah. And go up and set them off, come back down, get another car. Okay. And take that up and set that off. Okay. Back down we go. And then we could get a hold of probably a couple, three this time. You know, yeah. we had a track made. Yeah. And yeah. we'd take them up, set them off. And that reversed our whole train. That's true. Yep. <laughs> so then we get back up to we get back up to Bert. We'd have to put them all back in order again. Yeah. Right. Oh, and there. steam hoses, you know, it was all steam hoses. Yeah. You had a hammer you carried with you all the time. Yeah. Boy. You bound those clips and put those steam hoses together. It was quite a trick putting them together, you know. We had to hold them just right. You wouldn't make it, yeah. And then you used to get them when they were set off on the siding and uh, they freeze. You couldn't twist them. Yep. You know? Boy. Then you'd have to take that warm one and twist it way up, hold it way up, and the other one. put it in place. Yeah. Oh boy! A lot of times we we couldn't twist it, and we'd have to leave the we take the uh, one we had on the train with the steam coming through, and we'd blow the steam right on it. Get it thawed out. Thawed out so that we could twist it enough to hook it up. Boy. Yeah. Yeah. We had claw hammers. Uh, that was part of your. Gear. That was the gear. You carried that hammer wherever you went. Yeah. Boy. Hmm. Yeah. Of course, it wasn't so bad in the summer. We just hook them up on the chains. Uh, we didn't bother with. Then, of course, we had uh, in the winter time. We had uh, in those LCL cars. We had a big pipe that went through mm -hmm. and up over the top through the car. Yeah. To uh, put some steam. Keep it from freezing. To keep it from freezing. Yeah. And before they had that, we used to roll in cans of hot water. Oh, really? The cream, we'd bring it down, we put in cans, can after can of hot water right in amongst the cream. Yeah. So they wouldn't freeze. Yeah. I didn't know that, huh? Then they come out with the steam, uh, with the steam pipes inside the car. Well, we didn't have to do that anymore. Yeah. All right. But it was real rugged in the summertime. We had to wear overshoes. There'd be so much water. Oh yeah, the ice. sloshing around in the floor where that ice was melting. Yeah, that you you get your feet soaking wet. We wear rubbers and huh. you know. Yeah. The winter time, of course, we had our overshoes on then. See, but uh, that's the way it was. It was it was a rugged job. And you worked Malone Yard for what about seven years? Oh yeah, all of that. Yeah. 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 And that was a busy place. Yes, sir. Oh, all the feed companies, lumber companies, uh, interconnections to New York Central. And uh, then we'd have to make up the train when it come in. Mm -hmm. We'd have to throw out the Malone cars and we switch it all around. In, uh, I used to block out, what, the B&M's? Yeah, they took a switcher off in Norwood. That was the time I was working in Malone. And we'd have to switch that train out at Malone. New York Central would deliver it and they'd pull it right to and then cars went back, like Madrid's and Lisbon's and all that. Right. That had to be put into the way freight that went to Augensburg from Malone. Yep. And then we had the ones from Malone to Albert, yep. and all them LCL cars were all were all mixed in there with feeds and everything. We had to sort them. Then they always uh, the New York Central used to get their coal, their coal from uh, from the Rutland. The New York Central bring it in, see, at Norwood, then we'd have to deliver it to New York Central at, at Mullen Junction. Uh -huh. 
and uh, it's coal. We used to have carload after carload of coal. Used to be a lot of LC out the freight house. Yeah, and the LC out the freight house, we had to spot it all up. A lot of it. we had so much of it at times that we'd have to spot opposite. Okay, put the plan. Uh, we had number one and number two freight house tracks. Okay, we spot opposite, so they would wheel right through into the other car. See on the side of it, or yep. Wow. They had a little platform they put between the cars. Right in, yeah. And they had to hire uh, five and six men trucking. Yep. Yeah. Then they had the foreman there, too, you know. He mm -hmm. he kept track of things. That uh, Jay Malone used to butter, Armour butter. They had a place to have a carload of butter for there, too. We had everything then. Everything. Yep. yep. P.I. Pearl had all in stores. The old paper mail? Overalls and clothing, and uh, we'd, we'd fill the freight house with it. Yep. Right to the doors with, with cases and cases of overalls and, and clothes and rubbers and shoes. All go out LCL. All LCL. Wow. Yeah. yeah. used to go out the back track to the old paper mail. Yeah. Out there where the grocery company was. Yeah. And we used to have to get down there. Yep. And we'd, uh, one time... We went down there. We had to put the air on the cars. And the snow was so bad that we had them on the nose of our engine, see? Yeah. And we'd go down through there, and of course, the, in that cut, there was a cut there, and it would drift in bad. Yeah. And this car that we had at the time had a low-flung bleeding rod. Oh, yeah. And the snowbank opened the bleeding rod, and we lost, and then it was so bad, bad in there that it pulled the... Pulled the pen. We pulled the pen. The snow raised the lever and the cart took off. <laughs> we went through. When we broke out of that big drift, away goes the car. With no air on it, see, the air bled off and it, it, it pulled the off. pen. Oh. That pen lever was down, see, in the snow. Yep, lifted it right up. And lifted the pen up. And there goes the car. All of a sudden, we had the headlight on the engine. It was dark, see. Yep. And I see that car going out of sight. Oh, my God. It's all downhill, you know. Yeah, it was. Right? And then across the river, over a bridge, across the highway. Well, I said, somebody don't get killed here. We're going to be awful lucky. And you know they wouldn't believe us what we tried to tell them? Yeah. We had to put that car on the cripple track and had the car knocker go over it. Nothing wrong with it. Finally, I had to explain it to the train master. Come up wanted to know what happened. Huh. So this car goes down over the bridge, and there was a tractor trailer backed into one of the doors. And we hit that tractor trailer and swung it right around. Swung it right around. Yeah. And I looked in the cabin. I thought I saw a head in there, a guy's head. I went up to, to the tractor, and I rapped on the window, and he looked. What's the matter? I said, you all right? Yeah. He says, what happened? I said, you haven't got any trailers there. <laughs> they rearranged. Yeah. I said, your trailer's right down by the other way. <laughs> well, anyway, it derailed the car. The car went up against the building. Oh, boy. Scraped yeah. the building. Stopped. Yeah. Went through two great big piles of snow. They used to dig out, you know. Oh, yeah. Where they get back to trucks. <laughs> we went through and hit two of them. 
And that car must have been going 30 miles an hour, 40 that, miles an hour yeah, when it was, went in there. That was quite a downgrade into there, though. Oh, it's steep downgrade. Boy, that car really went, what was going. <laughs> well, we took after it with the engine. We couldn't catch it. Yeah. Couldn't catch it. It was gone. <laughs> We didn't know what to expect when we got down there, Stephen, you know. What was going on? I woke that guy up. <laughs> Never woke him up. Oh, it didn't. That's right, too. It didn't wake him up. Yeah. No, I said, you all right? Yeah, he looked up. He said, yeah, what's the matter? Yeah, I'm all right. I said, you ain't got any trailer. He said, what'd you say? I said, your trailer's sideways there. What well, must have slid on the snow. Yeah. You see what didn't hurt the trailer much? Because we hit those banks of snow. Oh, and it yeah. packed between the... Oh, the, the, the car and the trailer. Yeah. And then, of course, the trailer went went sideways, see? Just nudged him out of the way. Yeah, and then the car jumped the tracks and went inside the building. And all that car had on it was a few grab, grab irons that were bent. Wow, the snow protected. Very little damage. Yeah, protected. Now, if that, if that had been in the, say, in the summertime, it would across the main road and gone right into the river. Yeah, probably. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, because there's a bridge right there with a switch on it. Yeah, person. Tell you. Yeah. Huh? And, uh, yeah, you didn't have much of a yard then. You used to have to switch JX2 there. What a, yeah. What a, what a yeah. room there. Yeah. With that double over a lot. Yeah. We had, uh, used to have to count the cars because what we called a bank track, you put so many cars in there. That's yeah. all. Yeah. So if we let them go in there, we'd count them. Pee was a conductor. Bob Dragon and I and Pee Wee was conductor. So Bob says uh, to me, "What you got? What count you got, George?" I says, "I got twenty-three. What do you got, sister? I got twenty-three. The track's full." Now the derail way down. Yeah. And we didn't have to go down there and push. You know, we we count the cars and we know we'd be all right. Yeah. Pee Wee says, "No, no, no." He says, uh, "You haven't put that many cars in there. I haven't done that. Two more." Okay. Shove them in. We shoved them in all right, and you put two hard over the derail out <laughs> the other end. Bill love it must have liked that. Oh, I thought they pushed pretty hard. I said to Pee Wee, they're pushing pretty hard. I said, I think we're off the track down there somewhere. <laughs> sure enough, we go down there. Well, he says, we'll have to go down and look. We went down, there was two cars right up on the bank. Yeah. Derail, both of them. The bank, that would have been the, like number three way over on the, right towards the bank there. Yeah, that would have makes the bank track. We call it the bank track. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But we knew it would hold 23 cars. <laughs> Couldn't put any more in there. Oh, God. Tried to tell me with that. Oh, no, no, no. He said, you fellas, yeah, you counted wrong. <laughs> said, okay, you got the list. Put them in there, he says. I said, okay. That's Boy, he got mad at me. I said I shouldn't have said it. I said, Pee Wee, I think you're waiting. You were looking for overtime. Yeah. <laughs> you have to get down deep, re-rail those cars before the train can leave. <laughs> I had to call out the the wrecker, the uh, this uh, what's his name? I can't think of Harold oh, West. Harold West. West. Had to call him. He had to bring the cables down there, cable the wheels. Yeah. So they wouldn't leave the center seat and leave the wheels there in the car field. Yeah. He had to. Jet to wire those wheels up, see, along so that when we started pulling, come back with them, yeah. the, it would come with the wheels, <laughs> didn't leave the wheels there. Yeah, the center pins, you know? Yeah, that's right there, yeah. And uh, finally we got them, oh my God, we were, 
I don't know, five hours. Oh boy. Getting them back on the track. Well, there were, one was, one was out, couple, almost two car lengths from the, <laughs> from the track. From the track, you know, we had to haul that son of a gun back. <laughs> you really put that thing out there. I guess. We'd pull it about three, four feet, whoop, gotta have another hitch, and <laughs> two or three feet more, whoop, gotta have another hitch. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. Yeah, and then you made up the two wafer eights. There was a long wafer eight in Augensburg. Right, and we'd have to make those wafer eights up. And of course, in that train, they had cars to feed from alone. Yeah. When we first went to work before the train would come in, we'd go get the empties out of the feed companies. Yeah. They were going south and get them all lined up, all the southbounds and the northbounds we'd set off to when the train come through the next night, they could pick them up. Yeah. We'd get everything all spotted up nicely. Wouldn't they come in with a car feed? Got to go break it up again. We had to go break them up again and yep. tear, switch them all out again. But it, we were lucky. Sometimes we were lucky. You know, we, we didn't have to do that. They really didn't know it was coming ahead of time. Then. That's right. Then they had the bottle of gas there, too. Yeah, Baker. And, uh, yeah, Baker. And uh, the GLF feed company was in behind that. So we'd have to go get the gas car off there, set it off, spot up our GLF cars, feed cars. Yeah. Then put the gas car back on spot. Huh. Then we go up and there's another place that was lumber. And uh, we'd have to spot that up. Brick. Cars of brick. Yep. Lumber. Oh, sheetrock. Yep. Oh, boy, oh, boy, I'll tell you, we... Eight hours wouldn't do it, you know. Yeah. Oh, over time, all the time, we just couldn't... Just couldn't keep up with it. Yeah, yeah, the time you get done with switching jigs, too. Yeah. You had a lot of work in there, and then you got to wait for it to made up. Yeah. Uh, we were switching one night. Eddie Bedore was with us. Was a brakeman. I was running the tra- the job. I had the lists and everything. He had a lot of pulpwood cars. Yeah. So I said, "Well, we're not going to switch with them. We'll take them up and set them off." And I said, "Just shove them in the clear. Put a brake on. Shove them in the clear." And I said, "Come right back, and we'll go to switching." So Bedore takes him up there. What he did, there was a car in there with a handbrake on it. Uh, so he knew that, see? So he cuts them off on the fly. And this was a nifty down in there. And it hit the car. And there was a hobo in there. <laughs> Out come He didn't know what hit. <laughs> it, did. uh, it wasn't too far across, you know, and I could see the guy staggering out of the car. <laughs> I said, what the hell was that? Went up there and it was a hobo. He was in that empty car for the night. <laughs> in that low, I think it was, oh gosh, I think it was 10 cars of pulpwood. No, it's heavy. Yeah. <laughs> he just cut them off and let them run down and hit that poor little empty car. <laughs> Boy, it slammed the door open and... <laughs> out he come. Out he come. Huh. Well, One time, there was a hobo. This was just before I went up there. He was sleeping, and he using the rail for a pillow for his head. Yeah. And we had a cattle chute there. We had to go down and spot the cattle chute. And we did that, and, uh, they, or they did, and, uh, geez, they run right over the old hobo's head. Wow. Yeah. Got it. 
There used to be a lot of them those days, you know. Yeah, During Depression years. Yeah, rolled the rails. Boy, we'd come out of Augsburg yeah. on the milk, and they'd be in between the cars. We'd have to go put them off. Yeah. Right, they'd get killed, you know, riding in between those cars like that. Yeah, they would have. Huh. <laughs> One time we come out, we had a, we had a 20 cars of coal we used to spot here at Elbert. And we got started. I don't know we missed this guy. He must have got on after, after we checked the train. We get going. Here he is sitting up on top of the coal car there. There are wooden cars in, you know. Yeah. And uh, he's sitting up there waving his arms. He's having the greatest time you ever saw. <laughs> Riding up on top of the coal. Okay. Hobo. Yeah. So we, we let him go. I didn't want to stop the train. Just go throw him off. But, you know, we didn't want him to get hurt or anything, you know. Uh, of course, they probably hoboed it on the rails for so long, they probably knew more than we doing. did. They what they are doing, yeah. So, uh, we kind of stopped that business of throwing them off. Dude Town went up one time, the guy wasn't going to get off. He said, I'm not getting off. Dude Town went up and threw him off. <laughs> Big enough fellow to do it. Yeah. The conductor told me to go get rid of you. <laughs> you go someplace else. <laughs> so, well, we had a lot of laughs and... Well, see we that. used to have circus train, you know. Oh, yeah. One on one. Yep. We used to have that. We set it out there at Mullen Junction. And they'd unload it there, and they had the right by the fairgrounds there, you know. Yeah, we had circus trains and uh, everything in those oh, days. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I can remember. Milk trains, coal trains. Uh, used to be time when you go to the fair, these guys would come up with. Uh, their sheep, and they'd ride in the boxcar with the sheep. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. We had a, we had a fellow that used to bring sheep to the fair. Yeah, and he'd ride right in the boxcar. He'd ride right in the boxcar. Yeah, I remember that coming through Albert here. Yeah, yeah. And he'd take him up to the fair, fair week. Because he was going to, one time he'd come up to D&H, and they picked him up at Ross's Point, and then and they, he was going to Essex Fair. Yeah. The interchange at Albert, and he was down on the interchange there, and so Bob Brickson says to me, go down that boxcar and see if that guy wants anything. <laughs> I thought he was kidding me. I go down, there's a guy in there with the sheep. The door is open. He's sitting yeah. in the road with the sheep. Yeah. <laughs> we used to have a, have a carload of hogs for Mackenzie Burlington. Oh, yeah. So, full car, just just hogs. Yep. We used to take them up. Didn't want to switch with them, you know. We'd take them up and set them off. This was the night job, see. Yeah. Is that Malone? At uh, Albert, Albert here. Oh, yeah, Albert. Put them up on the scale track, see, out of the way. Yeah. Then we go to switching. And the last thing we do, of course, Burlington's their next stop, see. Put them on head in. We go up and get the, the hogs, put them on head in. Well, I went up there. You talk about, it was just getting daylight. If you ever heard a man snore, <laughs> a pig will snore just like a man. Oh, yeah. And... You take probably forty hogs in there, all snoring. <laughs> quite a racket. And it was quite a racket. <laughs> I was a long ways away, and I could hear it. You know, boy, they were, you know, snoring away. That was their last snore, though. Yeah, yeah. And then we'd. Uh, well, they, oh, years ago, we used to run the cattle trains. Remember? Oh yes, Saturday yeah. night. Saturday nights. Yep. Yeah. We used to go up with the freight train. We'd go up with the pulpwood for Carthage. Yep. They had a big paper mill there, Carthage. Yeah. And we'd have a solid pulp train. Then coming back, we'd have the oh. the cattle. 
cattle train, yeah. Yeah. So. Of course, we, well, then with the solid pump, we'd, we'd set out the, uh, we'd load the, into the, into these uh, cattle cars. Okay. Yeah. And the guy used to give us $5 to help him. Yeah, the farmers meet. Yeah. yeah. We'd come along North Lawrence, and they'd have, on the siding, it had the, cow, the cow, uh, calves tied to the rail. Yeah. And we'd have to untie them and them in the car. pick them up and throw them up in the car. Huh. Yeah. Well, of course, five bucks in those days, a lot of money. Yeah. Well, that was for the whole crew. Oh. Oh, that's five The conductor dollars. never did any work. He'd take three and give yeah, give that to the other guys. Yeah, give us a dollar a piece. <laughs> He's in charge, though. Yeah, that was Oliver. Oh, Lenny Oliver. Yeah. What they used to call him? Hard boil. That's right, because he had had temper. Yeah. He's still on the Yeah. That wraps up this week's episode of High Green. If you'd like to be on the show, or if you know anybody that has stories or memories of the Boston and Maine Railroad, you can reach out to us please send us an email at bmrrhs at gmail.com or you can send us a message right on Facebook. Hope you enjoyed tonight's episode and we're looking forward to having you back for next time.